0: Alright, so this episode is sort of about Kirtan. It is about Kirtan. Um, And it may, this may turn into a, something like, kind of like a little mini-series type thing or something. That remains to be seen. But in the meantime, either way, certainly if there's going to be more of these, it's worth tackling the question, right? What is Kirtan? Kirtan is a term of Indian origin from the Indian subcontinent. I don't know if it's Sanskrit or Hindi, um, but it certainly is on that branch of the linguistic tree, no doubt. I'm given to believe that the most sort of literal translation of Kirtan would um, would be to recite to state it, right? Um, and that makes a lot of sense. Essentially, kirtan is used as a call and response practice. Um, and I want to kind of dive into like how that works. There's these different levels of interpreting a kirtan experience. So Kirtan utilizes generally Oh boy, like I just opened up a can of worms in my head here. (sighs) Well, I'm going to take the easy way out. So if anyone is about to beef with what I'm about to say, let it be known now that I'm way ahead of you. Like, I'm aware of the the whole and what I'm about to say here. Basically, Kirtan involves the recitation, the recitation of mantra. Now in the West, we will readily accept mantra. I mean we to us mantra is like any slogan of any kind and while that's sort of like a a little bit of like a bastardization of the idea of like what mantra really represents Um, you know, our erroneous usage of the technique of reciting mantra, like that's just that's on us, I mean the power of the exercise is inherent, if you really focus on something and you repeat something over and over and over again it does build up some degree of Power in your mind, power in your world. Um, There's something to be said about, like the inertial quality of something that repeats over and over and over. Something that's like very iterative, you know, it keeps going around, it keeps going around. So mantra is that, you know, affirmations is maybe, you know, kind of how we think of it in the West, That's a good distinction to make, right? Affirmations as opposed to mantra proper. In the, you know, mantra in the... If you were trying to be scared about culturally appropriating, like, you have to make that distinction, right? Mantra is... These Sanskrit words, basically, but... Once you're in the plane of understanding, like, what it is that we're doing with these you know, formal, formally recognized mantra. You, all religions have mantra, you know, virtually all. You might make the case that like all meaningful culture does. (laughs) And that says something about the culture of the West that we sort of don't. We had to apply that principle to our, you know, to our materials, to our materialism. Um I digress. Point being that, you know, Amen is a mantra, Amin is a mantra, Shalom, Salam. These are mantra, really. And even so back to my earlier like little loophole I kinda was leaving out. Mantra In some ways, when I think of kirtan in a pretty, the kind of like colloquial sense of kirtan, in the West, sure, by then we're already like singing like ancient Vedic scripture. But in kind of like there's a more folky sense where in my head, like the colloquial kirtan proper is... pretty strictly singing, chanting, repeating, reciting the divine names, names of the divine, names of the infinite, names of God. God is just one of those names. I'm about to digress even harder, but I'm allowed to do that because I'm the boss of this thing. Um, You know, if someone is convinced they're an atheist... I would say, rather than asking you for some kind of proof that God doesn't exist, I think what I would ask of you, if you're an atheist listening to this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some, like, give it a good faith, like, full day. Doesn't have to be all day of the full day, but, like, take a day where you're going to carve out the time to actually think about this. Is there, like... Obviously you cannot tolerate the word god. Is there another name for that? Is there some other way we could label it that you would be like fine. I can agree to that. You know, like is there some sense if I if I if we call god the Higgs boson, are you going to would are you comfortable with saying that god exists then? like where do you follow like you know have a have a you got to flip that question on its head sometimes i mean if you're not comfortable saying god that's one thing call it what it is there's so many names for god and only Most of them are not. (laughs) Most of the names for God are not God. You know, that's the most hilarious part. If you ask people, what are the names of God? I mean, you'll find so many. In India alone, there's a ton. Right? Relatively speaking. in, In the Western... And Abrahamic traditions, there's one. There's just the one. God. Like they're really obsessed with like, no, it's there's one. And they're right. There is like God. (laughs) You know. Maybe there isn't. Maybe there is two at the heart of it, I guess. I mean, who am I to say? But this is where if you're you know, if you do want to front like Let's apply some scientific wisdom, right, to this religious battle. There's one sun in our solar system, so there's something to be said about that one factor. About like a single monadic god, if you will, force source of light, source of gravity, source of our apparent motion, because we're really being dragged by this thing through the universe. Um. Yeah. Uh. You know, would you relinquish the title of atheist if I told you If you're willing to accept the notion that the sun, like, if you want my definition, like, what is God? That includes the sun. Very distinctly, it has a ton to do with the sun. It very clearly must. Because, again, our entire reality, virtually our entire reality, is wholly dependent and entangled up in what the sun is doing. I mean, the sun controls our fate in a meaningful way. It's not the only force. It's not the only factor. But if you're going to tell me that it doesn't do anything, you're wrong, I'm pretty sure. Either you're wrong or we've got the entire picture so radically incorrect that that then none of this could possibly be real like we would have to have it so backwards and we might i don't i don't uh you know pretend to have any real compelling reason to say that maybe we maybe we do have it that wrong but point being By my definition, if the sun exists, God exists. And if you are uncomfortable equating God with the sun, that's your own weird like God neuroses. That's between you and God. That's not my business. So stay out of my business wherein me and God are tight because God is the sun. God is the rain and the clouds. Like if that's not good enough for you, You know, if that's not good enough for you, of course you don't see God or believe in God because you're in denial. You don't see it when you're looking at it in the mirror. You don't see it when you, you know, you're jaded. And that's okay. (laughs) But it's sort of like, it's a funny thing, right? You, as the cynic, the religious cynic, just keeps pushing the goalposts so far away because they, they don't want God to exist for whatever reason. You know, there might be a fear, there might just be an angry, reactive kind of denial, but somehow or another, they're convinced, like, no, no. You know, all the while not really recognizing in the moment because when you're in that kind of a funk, you it is hard to see, but... If you stick to the facts of the matter, this whole thing is so wildly improbable and incredible. And you're here to experience it, including, yeah, the yucky stuff, but... yucky stuff exists. And is it even that yucky? Because if you're willing to go... If, it, if being a human is such a drag... And it's not as wildly exciting and fascinating and amazing as I'm inclined to think it is. If you're telling me that we're not made up of like swirling molecules and like vibrating fibers in some weird kind of like matrix of space and time. If that's not real. If that's not what actually is going on. I lost my... (laughs) I completely lost my train of thought here because my mind just got blown by, like, fathoming the, the truth, the reality. But it's like... Yeah, if that doesn't turn you on in a way, like... You know, you're sort of being... You're just kind of being a stick in the mud. Honestly... And if you're like, well, I don't believe it's true that we're this swirling mass of yada, 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 then, I mean, then I don't know what to tell you. But, oh man, I wish I could remember where how I got onto this, but I've digressed pretty hard. Um... I just wanted to make clear that, yeah, people get uptight when you start talking about God. And I think that's, again, that's just between you and God. And, you know, if you work on your definition, you know, if you keep setting the bar so far that your own beliefs can't be fulfilled, can't fulfill the, the measure you've set for it, that's literally like you're... You're gaming yourself as much as, at least as much as I'm gaming myself by setting the bar so radically low that I see God like all over the place and everywhere. But that's the whole thing is that my, my definition is, you know, seeks to be compatible with what we observe to be the case in the universe. And it seems to be the case that, you know, there's, molecules of atoms and those atoms are in motion and the motion whether even if motion might not even be the right word there's like activity there's unfolding there and the the jumping of electrons and the you know the synaptical firings of like electron clouds and all that kind of stuff like Yeah, that is my definition of God. And that's why it's pretty easy for me to believe that God exists. You know, if you don't like my definition, okay, set a definition you do like, but who are you to limit God? (laughs) You know, God is, that's the whole point, right? Is God is everything that you are too pitiful to like comprehend God is, like, there, kind of going, like, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. That's sort of the idea. Like, we can only we can only process all the data around us in the ways that we're designed to process it. Like, what do we have a clue what we don't know? Of course not. Of course we don't know what we don't know. We know some of what we don't know, but who knows how much more we don't know? You know, that's the more... Those... That's the more interesting question. That's the where the spirit of inquiry comes from. But, again, I digress very, very hard. Kirtan could be considered a practice where you sing or chant or recite the names of God in a call-response fashion. And, you know, sometimes it's very musical. Other times it's much more demure and kind of you know, you know, true chanting, true chanting, not unlike Gregorian chanting in the West. All the religions have their variations of these practices. Um, You know, it can be quite dry, truly just kind of like reciting call and response or not. Affiliated practices include um, silent repetition of mantra, sometimes with beads, a rosary, or with a, a mala. You can verbally recite while you do repetitions. Japa is one of the Indian rooted terms, which means the to repeat repetition. So repeating mantra with with beads, by yourself, in your head, or out loud. And then kirtan is distinctly out loud, reciting, saying it, speaking it, chanting, singing. Sometimes it's very, very musical, sometimes it's not. Um, Yeah, so... kirtan is cool because... It serves as a meditation in multiple ways. First and foremost, you know, it's something that you're thinking about. You're not just listening to music, you're participating in the practice of kirtan. So you're listening to the call and then you are, you know, repeating it as a response you can repeat it just in your head that would be like silent repetition silent japa you can you know recite it as kind of like a whisper or a murmur you can recite it as like a loud atonal chant or you can sing it beautifully and melodically and you know heartfeltly like You can do it any way you want. The point is just that you're doing it. You're deciding for, you know, however much time you're going to devote to it, that I'm going to focus on this mantra or this divine name, and I'm going to repeat it however many times, if only as an exercise in mental focus which like all mental focusing practices, you'll notice as you're doing it that your attention wanders away, you're going to get distracted. And that's your chance to sort of go, "Ooh, this is what distraction looks like. Where did my distraction take me back to the practice? Here I go. Um, But it's also useful as a practice, because to go back to kind of a thing where in the West, we've sort of you know, horrendously made a strange perversion of the idea of mantra, anything that's on repeat in your head is going to have an impact on how you think and the way you look at the world. If you have an automatic response mechanism that every time anything happens, you're like, oh, this sucks. Oh, this sucks. Oh, this sucks. You know, how many repetitions of this sucks is it going to take for your whole life to suck? It won't take that long is the truth, you know. So you you are kind of building this neural groove to be, I mean, largely it's neutral unless you want to buy into kind of like the esoterica a little more of, of these mantra, which frankly I would encourage people to do, but you don't really have to. Um, you know, you're building a better pathway for your brain, something better to fixate on. If you're going to ruminate on anything, ruminate on something that's you know, got power and potential for your growth as a person rather than fixating on something arbitrary like, you know, like slogans and <laughs> and advertising jingles. Those are the mantras of, you know, this money-obsessed culture we have. So... So those are two kind of like very distinct meditative benefits of of japa, which is to say repetition of mantra, and more specifically to do the repetition of mantra out loud, to recite the mantra kirtan. The added benefit of um, verbalizing The mantra is that it then requires your breath and especially if you have a long mantra or kind of a longer phrase series of mantras or stringing together of you know divine names you can and even if it's short right you can you could do multiple repetitions of the name on a single exhalation You could do, you know, there's ways that you can incorporate breath because there's a rhythmic quality, breath control. And on top of that, once you're really using voice, it also is a powerful exercise in the sense that you're creating like a, you're creating, well, maybe you aren't creating, I mean, you're inevitably creating a connection to it. You're you're exercising the, you know, like the, your unique vibratory frequency, your voice. You know, that's that's not a small thing. Um, you know, you could talk about it as like, oh, Kirtan is good for your throat chakra. Like, well, yeah, of course it is. Like, why are we, it's annoying that we're even going to try to like market it as that. Just You just do the practice because you just do the, pro- who cares why? You just do it. You know, you don't need to, it doesn't matter if it was, would you not do it if it was for your, you know, your third eye or whatever, your, some other chakra, would you not do it if it was, kirtan was only for your, you know, your heart chakra, if it was only for your root chakra, would you like be like, no, I'm not going to do it, No, no, you just, it's, it probably works for all of your chakra. I mean, especially when you get into like the music side of it again, you know, different schools of thought assign different musical pitch, these properties associated with the various chakras or, you know, plexis of activity in the body. I've been told that my kirtans are like very third eye inducing, which makes sense because I'm a very kind of gyan yoga, mind... Oriented kind of guy um, so go figure, but so yeah, so there's some more you know wellness benefits of of kirtan and all like you know the more musical I think there's a point of diminishing returns, but to at least a certain degree, the more musical get to, the more musical you get too. Um, You see some added benefits, you know, along the lines of music therapy, things like that. One of the other things that is cool about kirtan for sure in the beginning is when you don't know what any of the words you're saying mean. Um, Some people describe it as, you know, being a method for disrupting your thinking brain because you're thinking to yourself all day long in at least one language, maybe a couple different languages, and if all of a sudden you inject you know, repetitions of these of this language that you don't have a meaningful command over, your brain can't conceptually latch it on to anything that your mind can't do anything with it. Like your mind doesn't have any leverage over that content, it can kind of try, but it's not going to be able to do anything familiar because it has, you know, it just it's just going to kind of disrupt the pattern. So you can't you can't fall into your old traps when you're <laughs> using this other language, you know. Um, that's where like, yeah, it's nice to listen to music, but the lyrical content of a lot of music can kind of pull your brain in certain directions. If I listen to a song and the lyric says, Oh baby, you know, I'm toast because all kinds of gnarly karma is going to come bubbling up if I start thinking about that. (laughs) So, you know, it's good to have something that kind of disrupts your brain I think for myself anyway I may have cooked a lot of the mantra too because I did bother to learn what you know what all of the most of these words mean or kind of what what's going on with it at kind of a deeper level on the one hand it adds so much enrichment to the words and on the other hand it allows me to then yeah kind of start playing in concepts and you know, getting back to some of the old mental infrastructure for good and for bad. But, but, um, yeah, that's, I'm gonna leave it at that. That's my extremely lengthy, unanticipatedly verbose. Explanation of what is this Kirtan business. So that's all for this little moment. Namaste. So the mantra here is Om Nama Shivai. Om Namah Shivaya Om is sort of the primordial sound you know it's like a big cosmic gong ringing in infinity Om Namah is not unlike namaste it's sort of a greeting an acknowledgement a salutation a salute Sort of a a reverent greeting is how I might want to describe it. Nama is like a reverent greeting. Om Nama. and then the chant is um, the mantra. Is in honor of Shiva, and Shiva is the branch of the sort of divine trinity. The masculine divine trinity of Hinduism um, includes Shiva as sort of the, you know, overseeing the branch of the trinity wherein there is renewal by way of necessary destruction. Shiva is, like, sometimes described as the destroyer. But, importantly, there's kind of a view that Shiva is chiefly a destroyer of things that are ultimately, like, causing us harm. You know, it's the kind of thing where sometimes the Lord is looking out for you in weird ways that you don't always get, you know. Uh, that's a whole can of worms I'm not going to go into right now. So the the chant is begins with the primordial gong, Om, and then a greeting to Shiva, Nama, reverend greeting, Shivaya. And that sort of switch up between the name Shiva and the Shivaya is that the I at the end is so I'm told or so I'm led to believe is an addressive clause. So that saying Shiva, you know, if you actually saw Shiva, like if you were going to go have lunch with Shiva, you wouldn't walk in and say like, hey, Shiva, it would be, hey, Shivaya. You're you're speaking directly to is sort of how that works is my understanding. So Om Namah Shivaya. Om the rever er, <laughs> Om the cosmic gong the resonating of the universe Namah reverent greeting to Shiva Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya And then the second chunk of the chant the second little mantra or the second little you know whatever you want to say like use of the divine names is shri shankara shri is a, is actually the the definition i see most frequently seems to be auspicious it might be thought of as kind of just a term of endearment i guess sort of a, like uh just a formal recognition that like you know vip you're not just A person, you're Shri so-and-so. Shri is like venerable, I guess, I don't know, I'm not really sure the, maybe, exactly how that gets used, maybe in the more strict linguistic sense, but in this case anyway, it just means like, yeah, the good. It's being acknowledged like, this is a good thing, Shri this or that, you know. It's not like, oh, this is no good. This is a bad thing. So, Sri, Shankara, or Shankara, which is a name for Shiva that more distinctly describes Shiva in the role of that destroyer. Shankara's, or Shankara, there's almost like a little slight... Almost like you're going to roll the R, but you don't roll it. You just, you bring it to the point of rolling, but you don't actually roll it. That's where the tongue, what the tongue does. So if you can't roll your R's, but want to, this might be a good step. If you can roll your R's, kind of you got to hold back just a little bit if you can. Shankara um, is the destroyer. Shankara comes to demolish it. So, Shri Shankara, the good destroyer. (laughs) You could think of it that way. Shri Shankara, Hara Hara. So again, there's that funny R thing, Hara Hara, which is sort of, again, so I'm given to believe, is almost like a, it's another name, right? It's yet another name for Shiva, but it's an even, this is like a much more ephemeral <laughs> version of of the name of Shiva. Like it's non-embodied almost, I guess, is maybe how I would want to think of it. And and literally just now, like within the past five or so minutes, I decided that the Sanskrit, or like this ancient word, Hara, hara um, has a a vibrational connection to the sort of modern like holla (laughs) where we're kind of like, I don't know. I think we're a little bit vapid and like we're all kind of under the veil of ignorance, like pursuing these like destructive courses of action and like spiritually it's like we know it and it feels good to just be like holla. We don't even care. Like we're just we're just taking the karma train right down to hell and whatever. Like, you know, we had to go to hell at least, at least one time in one mul- one you know, corner of the multiverse. We were going to have to go there. So we're like, let's just do it in this one and get it over with. Um, but Hara or Hara is, yeah, is another name for Shiva. You might think of it as a less, I i don't know if this is really accurate, but somehow, like, in my mind, anyhow, you know, Shiva is very clearly, like, this embodied figure. Shiva as Shankara has this, like, clear role. Shiva as Hara has kind of just this more, like, it's less tangible, right? It's like the thing above Shiva itself, the Shiva aspect that's a little more connected to the the source or to origin. So that's the other the other word, the other mantra of this little chant. Hara Hara Shankara, Shankara the destroyer. Shri Shankara Hara Hara Shankara. Shri Shankara Hara Hara Shankara. The auspicious destroyer and then hara hara destroyer, whatever, I don't know what the, again, quite what the right descriptor is for hara, but Shri Shankara, hara hara Shankara, Shri Shankara, hara hara Shankara, Om Namah Shivaya, Shri Shankara, hara hara Shankara, Shri Shankara, hara hara shankara om namah Shivaya om namah Shivaya om namah Shivaya shri shankara hara hara shankara shri shankara hara hara shankara shri shankara hara hara shankara those are the words Om Namah Shivaya, the cosmic gong, reverent greetings to Shiva, auspicious destroyer, um, holy, holy destroyer. Maybe that's a good translation. Om Namah Shivaya, Shri Shankara, Hara Hara Shankara. Om Namah Shivaya, Shri Shankara, Hara Hara Shankara. So you got everything you need to do a little kirtan, and that's what's next. So, take what you now know, and... Go with the flow. Namaste. Jai Shri Shankara.